Scott and Destin. <sighs> it feels like, you know, it's one of those long weeks that we had because we just did our first show last week and I'm so excited that we're going again, you know, for the second time. And we got a very special guest that we will get to later. But first of all, how I start every show, I got to ask my man, how you doing? How you doing, Destin? I'm doing. I'm doing good. I- I'm glad that you want to talk about me enough uh, to bring in me as the first person every time. It's not because you have to or anything. I'm sure. Um, this is also new. I found out how to do this. So everybody, congrats! Week two of Destin on Streamyard. So watch this. Oh, we have a logo now. Look at that. I'm learning wow. things on Destin, the fly. Everybody. Destin's our in- my intern. I-, I want y'all to know that. Destin's definitely the intern. He's Un- just a, unpaid. A paid. Unpaid. No, no, I'm not letting the people get away with that. Nope. He's definitely paid. He's paid pretty well. <laughs> so how was your week, man? Your week was good? It was That's good. you're on mute. Oh, I thought you was on I'm mute not, I'm not muted. Don't be, <laughs> don't be at me like that. Um, it, it was a good week. Um, the best moment of the week by far was mm-hmm. seeing Chris Strasser stay in the AFC South. Everybody. I was, I was running the clock to see how long it was going to take you to mention Chris Strasser. Want to get it out of the way right away. Then we talked about him every every episode of last season. Was wondering how he still had a job. He still does have a job, just no longer with the Indianapolis Colts. And now the fact that he's in the division, we're gonna get to see him twice a year. I know you're looking forward to that, right? I I am very willing to face Chris Drosser twice a year. Um, happy for him to stay in the AFC South. Um, just happy for him not to be um, repping the horseshoe. Um, now we had one person leaving on a good note. We should probably get to one where people are up in the air on if he is going to be representing the horseshoe next year, Rashad. Yeah, man, we got some some shocking news. You know, a shock to even some of us. You know, who talk the guys behind the scenes and everything. Uh, it was kind of public. We knew how Bubba Ventron felt behind the scenes. But Tom Pellicero, I believe, was the one who officially broke the news that he was taking an interview. Well, at first it was announced that Cleveland initially requested permission to interview him. And then as that announcement happened, just like pandemonium broke out, you started hearing people behind the scenes says he's gone, he's going to take it. And uh, we haven't gotten to that point yet. We know the interview was earlier today. So I'm sure we'll hear an announcement on it shortly. In the coming days, I know they also interviewed assistant special teams coach Leon Washington for the New York Jets. uh, And there was a couple of other guys that got interviewed. Uh, What was your initial thoughts when you heard the Bubba Ventron news? Were you just as shocked as I was? Because it kind of caught me off guard. And once I seen the Pelicero tweet, you know, I went to a couple people and they started telling me that they think he's gone, man. So I started kind of bracing myself and mentally preparing for that. And I see people belittling the effect of a special teams coach, which is fine because he is just a special teams coach. But at the end of the day, you know, he he is a good, a great mind that you had in that locker room. And and it definitely will be effects that you feel when it's lost. It's certainly that seems like it's destined to occur. Destined. What what a throw over to me. Uh, Yeah. You see what I did there? I mean, I liked it. The dad jokes are running rampant today. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the first thought has got to be, I mean, the Browns fired their special teams coach that day. The next report that comes out is that they want to interview Bubba. 
it seems like it's written in the sand at that point um, that they don't fire a guy that day without the intent that they think they can get their guy. Um, Bubba played a lot of his career in Cleveland. He has he has relationships there. So it makes sense with the new coaching staff coming in. Bubba may have just wanted to feel it out, see what would go on. He didn't get that interim tag, which Drake kind of threw up there as well. Um, so it's not super surprising that Bubba may want to explore his options elsewhere. I think the shocking part to everyone was the presser happened. He was at the presser and now all of a sudden he wants out. Man, it, it would be a big loss. I mean, big to relative to the position that he has, you know, it's not nothing huge, but it's something that the Colts have excelled in the special teams department over the past couple of years. One of the few bright spots that had, that was playing well and at a high level on the field for the past couple of years, despite what kind of injuries he has, losing a kicker, losing a punter, whatever the situation may be, you know, up to the plate and did an exceptional job. Uh, was there any other thoughts you had on Bubba uh, before we get to our amazing guests that we have coming up? Nope. Nothing else I can think of. The big thing at the end of the day, I think it's going to go down to Bubba. Everyone's asking why the Colts didn't block it. Um, I understand it. My first tweet was even that the Colts should be blah, 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 blocking that. But the reason Don't being. do that again, okay? That was Don't my exact ever. gift. That was my exact gift. Go find it. You'll see why I had to do it that way. But um, the, the reason I don't think the Colts did it, like Chris Ballard and Bubba Ventrone have a very solid relationship. I think Bubba was going to be the special teams coordinator that was hired no matter the head coach that first cycle, even if the McDaniels situation um, goes through. Even if it doesn't go through, obviously he stayed. I think he could have hired anyone that cycle. That is who Ballard wanted as the special teams coordinator. They had a past relationship. Um, so I think that relationship is so strong that if Bubba has interest going to seek other opportunities – Ballard was always going to let that happen. The team was not going to block it. Yeah, and, and speaking of past relationships, you know, uh, I guess this is actually the first guest in Saddle Up slash Horseshoe Huddle slash Sports Illustrated history, you know, uh, is a guy that we have a past relationship with. He's been on the show in the past. Always a great conversation to have this guy on, despite him being a Detroit Lions fan. You know, we're going to get over that. We're going to just pretend he's a Colts fan for the next uh, 30, 40 minutes or so. Uh, we have a guy that invented the rest, the relative athletic score, something that we all use to measure athletic ability, something that we use in our arguments when we talk about how athletic a guy is, when we're comparing different people. We always pull up this score, and this is the guy that invented Mr. Kent Lee Platt, also creator of the mock draft simulator that we use so often on pfn uh let's bring ken on up hey how you doing there sir good man how you guys been still still an elite mustache ken (laughs) i was just about to say that damn it i forgot that in the intro i'm mad i missed that opportunity to to mention the greatest mustache in saddle up history yeah, I'm hoping to keep it going, man. I had I had a full beard going for a little bit in here. I was trying to grow it out because I, I just turned 40 a few weeks ago. And uh, really? I, I, I had to grow my beard out because it's like really white. And I wanted to look <laughs> as old as humanly possible for my 40th birthday. Uh, I couldn't get that thing off fast enough, though. I got I had to get back to just having this, man. 
Hey and man, I like the little the little swooshing it up. I mean, I can't imagine the kind of oil you have to use to get that thing looking like that. This, this side does it on its own. This side, I gotta convince. Extra you. work, extra work there. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. You know how that yeah. goes. Um, this is your time of year, man. Uh, the combine is coming up next week. I know you have to be excited. This is something that you know. While most people just focus on the draft around this time of year you're always pretty much have to have an eyeball, you know, kind of focused in that area while you're enjoying the NFL with the fans like us, you're kind of still into the draft mode year round. So how excited are you that the combine is up on us? Man, I'm always excited when the combine comes up because there's always really good storylines about who's going to test and, and or who's going to test well, who really needs to test well to try to get their stock up. You know, there's guys that people don't expect to test well who are going to blow them out the water. And we had that with Charlie Kohler last year when people were like, oh, he's going to test bad. He's going to test bad. He's one of the one of the best testing tight ends ever. Nobody expected that. Those are great. Those are fantastic. You know, we had Jordan Davis last year who just blew the combine out of the water. You know, the second best combine all time by Raz at any position. Um, right after Calvin Johnson. That's a hell of a name to be nearby, right? Um, and we've got a, we've got a couple storylines this year that I'm really excited to get into. So and this this like you said, this is my time of year, man. I, I love doing it. It's it's fun to provide this type of a tool and a resource for the draft community, and I hope to keep doing so. And I hope it's still fun. <laughs> hey, yeah, man. Draft we, season's always going to be fun. In, in Colts Nation, we were ready for the draft for months. Um, obviously, maybe maybe by like week four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, of the NFL regular season. But before we get into the draft talk, which obviously we brought Kent on, he's going to talk about it, guys. Do not worry. Um, Kent has a little bit of experience with the new offensive coordinator in town in Indianapolis and Jim Bob Cooter. Um, that name almost as elite as Kent's mustache. They're on pretty similar playing fields, maybe second best ever compared to that. But uh, so your experience with Jim Bob Cooter. So for those of you who don't know, Kent, Kent is a Detroit Lions fan. Um, he, he's in that wheelhouse a little bit. You, you see his tweets all the time. You would know that. Um, but so what was your experience with Jim Bob Cooter during his time in Detroit? Yeah, Detroit's had a really rough stretch of offensive coordinators. And Jim Bob Cooter was one of those rough stretch guys. Um, we went from Scott Linehan, who just ran that wide open system where it's constantly passing. And when you're not passing, you're also passing to the running back. And you know it, everything ran through the passing game. Um, we ended up with uh, uh, Joe Lombardi, who was just, just god awful, just an awful coordinator. Uh, and then we got Jim Bob Cooter. And Cooter came in. We had uh, Jim Caldwell at the time. So you knew we were never going to have a run game. And Jim Bob Cooter had a lot thrown on his shoulders for a guy coming in with no support in the run game. And the play design was pretty much entirely him. He was picking up all this stuff in a brand new scheme in a first time position because he hadn't been an offensive coordinator before that. Um, he had, he put, took a lot on his shoulders and it took him a little, a little while to get started. Um, there were a lot of bumps along the road. Like I said, he was, he was not one of our greatest coordinators we've had. Um, but there were some positives, you know, it is, it isn't all negative and I'll try to cover as much of both as I can. Um, but ultimately fans were happy when he was gone. You know, they, they were glad to see that somebody else come in and give it a, a change. Um, uh, in my opinion, a lot of what caused the trouble for him was having to work underneath Jim, Jim, uh, Jim Caldwell. Caldwell is notorious for just completely ignoring the run game. 
Um, the Lions, the, there was a three-year stretch with the Lions that were was the second worst three-year stretch of a run game in the history of the NFL, since the Super Bowl era anyway. Um, I had to literally find a worse run game by, by pulling up way more statistics than I should have needed to. Um, but a lot of what he had, had trouble with was um, being able to maintain a balanced script. Um, Cooter was very good at developing unique types of play designs that would play off of the previous plays. He would build up. Um, we had a period of time when we had Theo Riddick, who's a fantastic receiving back, um, and Eric Ebron, another player that you guys are, are fairly familiar with. Um, Ebron's got his own issues, but what he is is a very good move tight end when you're able to, to design plays for him on the move. And Cooter would develop quite a few plays where he would have those two playing off of each other, where one of them would go into motion, draw a linebacker, and then he'd have the other one going in a different direction to play off wherever that vacated space was. And it was fantastic watching that type of play design over the course of a series because it's really hard to defend that because your linebacker is going to be taken out of the play. That's the point. But if your safeties aren't absolutely on point, that's a chunk play that's going to go for a good distance. And even if you have disciplined safeties, it's tough to, to prevent first downs because those chunks aren't two or three yards. They're five, six, seven yards, even though they're not big, huge plays, they're five, six, seven yards of play. You got three downs. That's plenty to get first downs and keep a drive moving. The, the problem is that when it would work, uh, he would just pretend that he didn't know that he could do that. Like it would just be gone from the playbook for the rest of the game. And it never made any sense that that's the type of game plans that he would come in with because stuff would start to work and then he would abandon it and go to something else and try something else that may or may not work. And when it wasn't working, he wouldn't try to go back to the things that were, which was extremely frustrating. Um, I, I understand he's probably not going to be doing the play calling in, in Indianapolis. That's probably a good thing for the same reasons. Um, his, his ability as a play caller fell directly under a, a, a head coach who just could never run a run game. And you really want to have somebody who can at least have something there. There has to be something in your run game. It doesn't have to be the focus, but it has to exist, right? You have, you have to have the ability to run the football, the desire to run the football um, in a meaningful fashion. And, having him in the backseat for that and having him just run things like play design and, and uh, he's run as a passing game coordinator before. So let him do that. Let him do the stuff that he can do and let somebody with a little bit more experience actually call the plays that you're seeing on the field. And I don't think it's going to cause you too many problems. Um, the issues again is just how much he can, can uh, continues with the stuff that's working and how he advances a game plan that's working rather than just having a good opening script and then abandoning it for vanilla play calling after that. Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, who you match Jim Bob Cooter up with. You know, him being matched up with Caldwell, two guys that love to throw the ball. I think the ideal role for him is a pass game coordinator because I think that's where his strengths lie. So for him to be an effective OC, he has to be – paired with a head coach that likes to run the ball or that a, a, a head coach that has knowledge of the run game and different ways to get to it and somebody who's going to prioritize it because if he's put in a situation where he just gets to throw the ball as much as he would like to you end up I think with a similar situation to what we saw in Detroit with Jim Bob Cooter uh hopefully Shane Steichen is 
you know, kind of has the reins on him a little bit and make sure it's not quite balanced because we don't want a 50-50 run pass, but at least 60-40, you know, to the point where it's not completely phased out of the game and defenses don't have to honor it because at the end of the day, it just makes it almost impossible to just throw the ball the entire game on good NFL defenses. Yeah, you can only run a you can only run so many halfback dives in a game, right? <laughs> there there has to be a little something else to your run game. Hey, I don't know. Madden says otherwise. Um, <laughs> but um, I think another thing about Jim Bob Cooter that I think was a big necessity of whoever the hire was going to be at OC, Jim Bob has been known to be a guy who will share his opinions on what's going on. He's a guy who will assert that opinion. He'll, he'll share when he doesn't agree with what's going on. Um, I think there has been times in the past um, regime tenures where after Sirianni left, we didn't have many – offensive staff members that would push back at times. I think that is something that Frank Reich's learned a lot from even um, going to Carolina and seeing this staff that he's built. I mean, you don't put a guy like Jim Caldwell on your staff unless you want him to speak up to you and say when he doesn't see something like Jim Caldwell is not going to sit there and just say yes. Uh, like that's just not who he is. I mean, you 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 know a little Ooh. bit about Jim, obviously. He will very before. politely interrupt. Yeah, <laughs> he will very politely. Um, but I think that was a big thing about the Jim Bob Cooter hiring that I liked is you could tell that Shane Steichen was not going that process of just hiring people that were going to bring guys in um, to disagree with him and tell him how smart he was. Um, that, the hiring of Jim Bob Cooter definitely shows you that he wants to get this right, no matter if it's his opinion that's going to be right or if it's Jim's. Absolutely. You got to have, you got to have differing opinions, man. You got to have those people who can butt heads because that's how, if, if everybody agrees all the time, you're never going to learn from the problems that you have because you're just going to be like, was was it this guy's fault? Yeah, it was that guy's fault. Well, we're not going to look into that any further and see if anything else was going on because we both agree. We have a consensus. We're done. You know, you want to have people who are able to look at it a little bit more objectively. And if, if they have differing philosophies, that's what you get. Yeah, man. It, it's... It's a tricky thing. Like I said, I think the, the, the foundation and the setup around him is going to dictate a lot of his success. I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and revolutionize your offense or, or change anything around. But I think he can be good, you know, if he has a, that balanced rushing attack. He's a guy that comes – he's a great – I think he's, his strengths is play design. I think game planning and play design things he can build with Shane Steichen. I think that's one of his strengths as well. And that's probably something they found common ground on in 2021 when they worked together, you know, was the game plan, the play design, that type of thing that they found a lot of commonality in, which is why he was bought in. But um, for our next segment, uh, we're going to do something unique. Uh, we know the, the talk surrounding the Indianapolis Colts is what they're going to do with the number four pick. And there's pretty much four quarterbacks that's in that conversation, whether people want to acknowledge all four or not. Know the hate crowd that's going on in the coach community right now, but we're going to include him in this segment and we're going to take those top four quarterbacks and we all have a score. Start out with whoever you guys would like to start with. We can start with Bryce Young since I guess he's you know projected to be the number one quarterback. And we're going to compare them to a quarterback that's either in the league right now or a former quarterback. We're going to compare their RAS scores. We're going to pretty much predict where we did. Somebody. 
So, so real quick, I don't know if it was just on my screen. Rashad broke up a little bit yeah. there. Okay, so just making sure he, and he he's still frozen. Okay. Now, yeah, I'll say Rashad is a little frozen right now. So while he gets that fixed, I'm just going to explain it one more time so everybody knows. What we're basically going to be doing is we each had the task before the show started um, with the king of RAS coming on. We had to use it. Um, so we each are we got to pick a comparison to a pro pass pro comparison with the RAS score in mind where we're trying to. I don't know if I'd say predict what these scores are going to look like, but just kind of making a athletic pro comp to these top four quarterbacks. Um, Shaw's trying to get some of that stuff fixed right now. So me and Ken will start. We're going to start with all of Colts nation's least favorite for whatever reason. He is my quarterback for, but he's a guy that I would not be opposed if he ended up being an Indianapolis Colt. And that's Will Levis. If you didn't know that Colts nation for whatever reason hates that guy, Kent. Um, <laughs> so Kent, who did you come up with as your athletic pro comp for Will Levis? Well, if they don't like him, they're going to love this comparison because I, I, every athletic comparison that I do is an athletic comparison only. I'm not looking at gameplay. I'm looking at how they move. I'm looking at the way that they feel when they're on the field. And the, the person that came to mind when I was looking at him was Jake Locker. Uh, he, was a, he was a first-round pick out of Washington back in 2011, so it's been a, a little minute since he came out. Uh, he mostly gets remembered for just being a bust and not being a very good pro quarterback. He had a bunch of injury issues. Uh, but when he played for Washington, he was a very smooth mover in space. He had really good speed. He had really good agility. He was explosive out of the backfield when he needed to be. Ex getting away from, from pass rushers when he felt that pressure, he was very good at doing that. And he was able to explode out of that pocket really fast. And that's the type of playmaker that Will Levis is on the ground. He has a really good feel for the pocket. And when he is does have to escape, he's able to do so relatively easily. He's a very smooth mover in space. Um, he does have good speed. I don't think he's quite as fast as Locker was, but um, he does have that same level of fluidity to his movement when, when he gets out in space. And that's the type of comparison I'm looking for. And it does look like we got Rashad back for everyone that was right. uh, missing him for a second there. Um, but so Kent went with Jake Locker. Um, I've seen a few different people also bringing up Locker as even just like player. Like pro yeah, oh, I've so seen that. I have seen people going that route. Um, I was going back and forth between two guys. Um, the guy ended up landing on is another guy that people are going to look at, like I'm saying, as a player comp. That's not what I'm doing. Um, this is just an athletic comp. Um, I went with Blaine Gabbert. Um, I went with Blaine Gabbert. I feel like when you watch Blaine Gabbert, it's, it, in college at Missouri even, he shockingly moved well. Like when you watch Blaine Gabbert move in the pocket, move out, like he had this speed that you were not expecting. And I think that's what I see a lot in Will Levis when I see him move. Um, like he's quicker than people give him credit for. Um, I don't know where he's going to end up testing. If I had to guess, he's going to be like the low four sixes. Um, that's off my personal guess right now. So like that four, six, two is kind of what I've written down once just like as a prediction for it. So he's a little bit quicker maybe than what Blaine Gabbard is. But when you look at the size, you look at the arm strength, you look at how, how they move. Like, I feel like, Blaine Gabbert is probably going to end up being one of those like floor comps that I give Will Levis. And I think part of the reason is, is just how much athletically I think they look so similar. 
Yeah, I'm not mad at that. That's actually a pretty, pretty close. Um, I considered both of those guys when I actually was thinking about it. And the person I ended up landing on is a, <laughs> he's a lot better pro than those two guys. You know, uh, remember, this is not, you know, uh, I went with Justin Herbert. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert, you know, a bigger guy who people didn't expect to move as well as he did. I think it's for how so shod so shod is having some technical difficulties still um not sure what's going on there but audio wise as while he's getting that figured out i mean justin herbert's not a bad athletic comp for will levis i understand people are going to hear justin herbert and him in the same sentence and are going to vomit listening right now um but when you look at how they throw the ball you look at their height because i think the thing people don't realize about your RAS system, Kent, is how much the measurements matter into it. Yeah, everything's everything's weighted equally. So, you know, the the size gets weighted into it because you can't you can't compare two players who are, you know, completely different sizes and think that that's an equal comparison, right? So, if if uh, Will Levis were to test with the exact same numbers that Justin Herbert did there, he'd have a little bit of a lower score because he's not quite as big as Justin Herbert was. Justin Herbert's like six six and an eighth or something like that. So you know, it's it ends up getting factored a little bit better in his favor because he's also really big. Uh, that that concept will come back here in a minute or two. Um, but yeah, every 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 metric is wedged, is weighted equally for Raz, which which helps when you have a guy that has most of the metrics because you're able to see what each individual part is. It's also important to take those individual parts into consideration. You know, a quarterback that runs a great forty but never runs isn't super useful. Uh, a quarterback who has to be able to navigate a pocket and has terrible agility drills is problematic. That's that's why you see so many good quarterbacks with really good cone times because that's. That's what they're measuring, the ability to change direction and, and switch where you're moving as quick as you can. You know, that's 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 can be problematic. If you're on doing rollouts and stuff, it doesn't really matter as much because now you're in space. You don't have to be quite as agile in a pocket. Um, if you're asked to scramble a lot, you're you're paying attention to those explosion drills because that's your ability to move from a standing stop to full speed as quick as you can. So each of those individual pieces plays a part for that whole overall athletic puzzle. So one of those elements, like I said earlier, I was trying to decide between two guys. Um, and this this will kind of show a little bit of the comparison element that the RAS website you guys can do. Um, but another guy that I was looking at a lot when I was looking at Levis athletically was Colin Kaepernick. Um, so I actually pulled this up on the RAS site to compare Gabbert and Kaepernick and kind of like try to make help me pick my, my poison here um, when I was giving it to you guys. Um, and really what ended up putting me towards more of a Blaine Gabbert is I just think when you look at the two, I feel like Colin Kaepernick, when you see Colin Kaepernick run, like he, he would look special at times moving where as when I saw Blaine Gabbert, it was just like a shockingly um, fast <laughs> speed where like that's why I ended up going Gabbert over Kaepernick. But I think both are comparable athletically to Will Levis. 
Yeah, I think the metrics line up. And it, it is funny that you put it that way because Will Levis does have a lot of those moments where you're like, oh, wow, he can move. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he literally just shocks you at times. Um, and like I said, people are already over us talking Will Levis. Um, so we will move on. We will move off of it. Um, but welcome back, Rashad. How, how are you doing? Third time's a charm, man. I'm going to get this right. You know, there there are comments that the Matrix was getting your audio. I don't, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> that might be true because I am, in fact, the, the one. So I wouldn't so, be surprised if that. We started case. We started with Will Levis, the Colts, least fa- Colts fans' least favorite. So I Ooh. guess it's only fair that we move over to who I probably would say is the consensus favorite amongst Colts fans. So we'll go C.J. Stroud. Um, CJ Stroud seems to be the most popularly positively taken one. Um, so we're going to start with CJ Stroud and we're going to let Kent go first again. Yeah. And this one, I've actually got a pro comp and an athletic comp for him because, because his, his ability to play, his ability to read a pocket, his, his, the way that he passes, the way that he, the way that he handles himself in a pocket is very similar to how current Lions quarterback Jared Goff was when he was coming out. He was the number one overall pick that year. Um, he wasn't known as being super mobile, um, but he had a lot of really positive traits that CJ Stroud happens to share. Now getting to the athletic comp, this is where there's a difference because Stroud has some of the tools that Goff didn't have. Stroud looks like a legitimate athlete when he gets out in space. I used uh, Geno Smith as a comparison for him. Um, Geno Smith was another player who didn't run a whole lot in college. He didn't do a whole lot of rushing. He didn't move out of the pocket very much at West Virginia. But regardless of that, he was an athlete because he had that ability. It just wasn't asked of him when he was playing college football. I think it's very similar to him. Um, We actually mentioned Justin Herbert earlier. Herbert had the exact same type of situation where there was a lot of stuff that he was able to do in terms of mobility that he just wasn't asked to do in in the college game. Some schemes just don't ask it of you. Um, I think Stroud's a fantastic athlete. He's very similar in size to Geno Smith. And I think that he has a lot of those same types of athletic tools. That's actually a pretty good comparison. I never thought about Geno Smith, but watching Geno play at West Virginia, man, he absolutely lit it up uh, out there. And I remember just watching that West Virginia team. They were so talented, with speed, literally speed all over the field. And Geno put up some monster numbers. Uh, I went with a guy that's currently looking for a job in the NFL right now. Um, who I, somebody who I think is a really good quarterback, you know, not in the elite tier, but I think he's good hovering around the top 10 uh, in the 10 to 12, maybe 15 range at the latest. I went with Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr is a guy that's sneaky, sneakily athletic. You know, he's a guy that you wouldn't expect to be talked about when it comes to athleticism, but he's a guy that's mobile enough to move around the pocket, avoid pressure and make plays with his legs when it's called for but he doesn't get that. He doesn't do it a lot. Same thing with C.J. Stroud. I mean, up until, you know, the game against Georgia, we had no idea C.J. Stroud can even do that. That was his biggest question mark going into that game was his ability to create, which I think he has probably a leg up on Derek Carr and is more probably Dak-like, Dak Prescott-like when it comes to that area of his game. But C.J. is a guy that likes to play from the pocket. And similar, like you said, with go is his touch passes is probably the most impressive thing that he does. His ability to drop the ball into a bucket, mm-hmm. we've seen him do it all year at Ohio State. I know people like to 
take shots at him because he had a lot of talent playing around him. But he elevated those guys just as much as those guys elevated him. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about C.J. Stroud as a football player. In fact, I think he has the highest floor among all four quarterbacks that we're going to discuss tonight. I I love his game, man, and I would not be mad if he became an Indianapolis coach. Yeah, so when it comes to C.J. Stroud, I think the crazy thing with it is I think people have treated him like – he isn't mobile like that. He's going to come to the NFL and he can't extend plays. So I kind of went a route where I'm going to compare him to someone. I think he's going to test better than this guy, but he's someone that I've used a lot to, to describe that. I think CJ Stroud is mobile enough to the sense that when you get to the next level, you're going to be able to do things. Even if his 40 is close to what this guy ran, which is going to be the slowest 40 we probably talked about today. Um, but I chose Patrick Mahomes, um, Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Um, he, he's had a pretty well, decent career so far. So Patrick Mahomes, when you look at this RAS, you're seeing a lot of these yellows and reds. So even if you don't know what the RAS is, you're probably looking at this guy like, oh, this is this is a little bit worse of an athlete than the guys we've been talking about so far today. Um but like, that's the crazy part about it. Like, I, I think CJ Stroud is going to end up running in the four six to maybe he runs in the low four sevens. Um, but I think when you look at the size metrics, you look at the speed metrics, I can see them testing pretty similarly to Patrick Mahomes, who, if you have a person at the next level that complains about Patrick Mahomes and says he can't extend plays enough, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked <laughs> if you guys could find me that. Um, and as you guys see here, Patrick Mahomes, agility-wise, did not test as some elite agility quarterback. No, I don't think nobody expected him to blow the doors off with his athleticism. You know, it was the arm talent that was just freakish. And I remember a lot of people said Patrick Mahomes would struggle being accurate with the football consistently. Yeah, we saw how that turned out. So, Patrick, I appreciate uh, the throw-up that you knew that Stroud's my favorite. But remember... This is athletic comps only, not player comps. I'm not comparing comp him to Mahomes, Mahomes yet. Only. <laughs> I'm not comparing him to Mahomes yet, uh, even if he is my favorite. Or Jesse Owens for that, man. <laughs> um, so moving on here from CJ Stroud, um, we're going to go to, I think, another sector of Colts Twitter. This is their favorite person to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about a guy who is going to be probably the RAS's favorite quarterback of the cycle in Anthony Richardson. So, Kent, yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts when it came to com- trying to find a comparison to Anthony Richardson in your system? Well, I mentioned those storylines at the Combine, and this is one of them. Um, Cam Newton has held on to that number one Raz since he came out, and nobody's come close to that. Um I love seeing really athletic guys who just blow everybody else out of the water. And Cam Newton was just a mutant freak when he came out. And Anthony Richardson is the only guy in the last few years that I think might challenge him for that crown. He's not going to have quite the size, even though he is very large for a quarterback. He's not going to have quite the size advantage that Newton did. But I think he'll run a little bit faster. Um, I think he'll have a little bit lower uh, explosiveness drills, but those time drills, that's five drills right there. So he'll have five that I think he's going to do better at and only four that he might do worse. And I'm I'm thinking he might be able to compete for that number one overall spot. And as much as I love seeing guys able to hold on to it forever, 
You know, I, I like seeing guys get knocked off. We had that just last year with the Colts with Jelani Woods, who knocked off Anthony Beck, who had held on to that for over a decade. So it's it's fun watching guys come out and put on a huge performance. And Anthony Richardson, this is what I'm expecting. It is something similar to this. I'm expecting him to just blow the doors off the combine. If he doesn't, then it's it's probably going to be a bigger issue for him. If he doesn't quite get to Cam's numbers, I'm probably the only one that's going to be disappointed. But if he, if he ends up with if he ends up with a nine point nine five RAS, <laughs> undraftable, undraftable, it's undrafted. <laughs> This guy is athletically like what you would design a quarterback in a lab. Yeah. Like if you can build a quarterback, it would look like, you know, Cam Newton, Anthony Richardson, like that physical profile. I do expect him to be a bit faster and quicker. So like you said, pretty much this right side, you know, of this RAS design, I think he can actually beat Cam's, Cam Newton's times. The size and the height weight thing, Cam was just, you know, kind of like a gladiator when it came to that kind of stuff, man. And to be able to move at that speed, at that size, was just like, you know, it's almost like LeBron in basketball, you know, a guy that's that big, to be able to move that fast. Cam Newton embodied that and was such a physical specimen. It was easy to see why he'd be number one, even though he had concerns about his ability to throw the football coming into the league, which he got a little better at. I don't think he ever became quite elite with it but when you have that kind of athletic profile you know you don't need to be at you don't need to be elite at throwing the football you can just be decent and you're still a huge weapon you know on the football field I expect Anthony Richardson to challenge that though you know that was my comp too as well you know spoiler alert guys uh I went with Cam Newton as well that's why Destin felt no need to pull it down off the screen, you know. I, uh, Destin went with somebody else, though, so I'm intrigued to see who he goes with. So I had the pleasure of knowing everyone's answers and getting the show lit ready a little bit. I wanted to give you guys someone else to kind of look at. And when it comes to Anthony Richardson, it's going to be hard not to give you guys just like these uber freak athletes because that like that's the expectation. So, I mean, you saw a lot of green on that last one. You saw a whopping 10. Um, I mean, this next one's not going to be someone that changes much of that. Um, Dante Culpepper, one of the reasons I kind of go towards him a little bit is I think size-wise they're almost identical, <laughs> like when you look at it. So, like, there's that element of it with um, Anthony Richardson that I'm curious to see if they – how identical that part of it is. And then 40-yard dash, with Anthony Richardson, it's super hard to try to compare. Like, I, I have these little written-down guesses on 40s. I like to guess them. To try to guess Anthony Richardson is so hard because his top speed when he's had the ball running for like 50 yards down the field is up there. <laughs> like he's probably – he's booking it. I'm curious of what that looks like in a 40-yard element and how – what he times out is in that. Because, I mean, I've seen people on Twitter throwing out like Anthony Richardson is so fast, like he's going to test in the four twos. I don't think that. I don't I don't see that happening. Um I would not be shocked if he comes in at like a high four four, like a four four eight um element. Like it, I could see him doing it, but like I said, because of that forty yard element shrinking it down a little bit, like he could very well run in the four fives. And people are gonna be all concerned like he's not this special runner because Justin Fields last year, but like, I gotta throw a number at you because you I, I looked this up and I just saw me complaining about it the that this today or yesterday. Um, but there people had complained about, oh, if he runs a four or five, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm going to think of him the same way. It's like, do you not realize how fast that is for a quarterback? <laughs> I have 
I think it was 893 quarterbacks in the database who have run a 40 since 1987, almost 900, 20 of them ran a four, five, five or better 20. That is not. And then an even smaller number of those are probably like guys that could actually come into the league and throw the ball. Right. And, and how many of them was six, four and two thirty five at that? I, I don't think any of them. That's what I was about to say. That's that's an even smaller percentage that you have to take into consideration. You know, some of the demands that that you see these people have for these players, like, it's just ridiculous. I see Warren Moon on the side and McNabb. I think Anthony Richardson is a better athlete than both of those guys. Like, he's a special athlete. We're projecting 10s, and Destin's projecting about a 9.99. If Culpepper came out today, that's what he would have is a 9.99. So the bar is set very high. That is (laughs) really high. He he can't disappoint. But like you said, it's certain guys that have storylines, you know, um, not even a venture off like Tyree Wilson. I think he's going to test off the charts. I think he's a physical freak. I just watched him. I think it's a couple of guys that can just really shake the combine. And that's typically what it is. We saw Tyreek Woolen do it last year. You know, he just kind of blew the doors off of different people at the combine. And I was really impressed with him. Uh, Destin, who's the last guy we got coming up? Uh, the last guy is Rashad's favorite. Um, saved him last for the for him. But uh, And I don't know who Ken's favorite quarterback is yet. I haven't been following all that much yet to know. Maybe he wants I to keep that around. close to the best. I bounce around. Um, but we're going to go next with Bryce Young. Um, we're going to throw it to Kent. Um, and I was wrong when I said Mahomes would be the worst RAS we looked at today. I think Kent is going to is gonna beat that right now. Yeah, so when I looked at Bryce Young, um, one of the guys that I thought of from an athletic comp was Drew Brees. And that surprises a lot of people because they think of Drew Brees as late career New, New Orleans Saints Drew Brees, right? Uh, Drew Brees was not an immobile quarterback coming out of college. His final year in college, he ran for 520 yards and five touchdowns. That's a mobile dude when he was coming out of college. Drew Brees could move. He was a pretty athletic dude. And it helps that he's a little bit undersized. So I think that gives us a better comparison for the type of athlete that we're talking about. Um, I also don't think that Bryce Young is super fast. I posted a couple of weeks back how I think Bryce Young is one of those guys that people think is fast. And then he's going to come out and run like a 4.8 or 4.9. And they're going to think that's a bad thing, but it's not because that's still pretty, pretty decent for a quarterback. That's not bad for a quarterback. And as long as he runs a good cone time and shuttle time, which I expect him to do well in both, um, I don't have any real concerns with it. His game is not predicated on his ability to run down the football field. Um, He had one long run this year and people like to point to that and be like, oh yeah, he can move. Yeah. Well, Daniel Jones had the longest quarterback run in NFL history and he ran like a four eight seven or something like that. It's you you get far enough out in the open field, you, you're going to get some distance. You know, you're you're only making up a little bit at a time when you're a faster player. And if you if you got got enough runway, you're going to make it pretty far. Um, but yeah, this was my comparison. I don't think Bryce Young is is super explosive. Um, I think he's more explosive than Alger Brees tested. Um, but I don't think he's fast, and obviously he's going to test much, much smaller. His his weight score might be the worst that we've seen in in a very long time for a drafted quarterback. Yeah, man, I'm not mad at that. Drew, Drew Brees is a guy I glanced at. I looked at a guy that's who rat score is actually worse than that, and, and I just thought of the player. And then you go check the RAS score on a player, you'd be like, Jesus, I don't want to say that publicly. I think the person <laughs> I looked at RAS score was in a five, so I won't tell you all that one. I end up settling on was it, was it Vernon Adams? 
because that was that was one that I heard the other day. Really? You heard that before? I heard Vernon Adams because Vernon Adams also ran in the four eight range. He's very, very similar to how Drew Brees tested. He ran in the four eights, had really good agility drills, kind of mixed mixed explosion drills, but really poor size. So that that was a comparison that I got recently. Let's see this young man's Rasheed Powell said Kyler Murray. No way. Oh. Bryce Young is nowhere near the athlete that Kyler Murray was. So I end up settling on Johnny Manziel. Uh, Johnny Manziel is a guy that athletically people think is a lot faster than what he actually is because of the way he played in college. Um, he really wasn't, you know, elite level fast, but he was a guy that was mobile and he used his mobi mobility. He maximized it in college. And then the NFL was when we kind of saw that you can't run around with four, seven speed, you know, and run away from defensive ends and run away from defensive tackles. The guys are just way too fast at that level. And I think that's what Bryce Young will run into as well. Luckily for him, though, he doesn't rely on his on his feet to do his damage as Johnny Manziel did. You know, he's a guy that's more than comfortable playing within a pocket, a guy that utilizes mobility whenever it's, you know, bootleg sprint outs and, and different things like that. You have the the ability to move the pocket with a guy like Bryce because he is mobile, but he's not a guy that's going to take off and just run down the field. Um, I, I believe the, short, the the splits will be somewhat similar. The shuttle, I think that's where he will shine at. Obviously, Bryce is really low to the ground. That, was, that wasn't a joke. But I think he'll be able to do the, uh, you know do these different drills and be effective at it because he's a guy that's more quick than fast. And I think – Johnny Manziel is a fair comp for him, in my opinion. They're both, you know, in the size department, the height, weight. They, they're gonna, they're gonna be low. They're gonna come in low, and you know, you just expect that they'll make up for it in other areas. Johnny Manziel never did, but Bryce Young is leaps and bounds ahead of a prospect totally than what Johnny Manziel was. I think it's so, a really good comp. Yeah, he's, he's faster than I would have than I would have put him at. But other than that, that's spot on, man. I didn't think I didn't think Johnny Manziel was actually that fast though. When I looked up the time and I saw it was four six eight, I was like, "Eee, that might be a little too fast for Bryce." I think Bryce would be in a four. Because of his face, you look at his face and you're like, "He ain't fast." <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I definitely did someone who, when you see the forty, you're like, "That's way faster than what Bryce is gonna run." Wanting you to warn, I'm warning that now, but. I think in other elements that it's pretty similar. So I went Russell Wilson. I went I let's ride Russell yeah. Wilson. Russell Wilson ran a four five five. Bryce Young's not running a four five five. I'd be pretty shocked if that happened. Um, now an element of it. So every single time this little height number up here, this little point one one is the lowest we've seen. We saw it start at point seven five with Drew Brees. Then we saw it move a little bit down with Manziel, and now we're down. I think five ten and a half is pretty. Where I would oh, guess Bryce Young is a great score for him if he gets five ten five. Yeah, yeah, like that. That is where I think he may end up measuring out at. The weight element's going to be a weird one. That's not going to be as good. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, maybe he just like has a lot of water weight that he gets on that day, drinks a lot, a lot of, of water sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> to get to that because I've said it. If he can get to two oh five ish and have a pl eventually, to me, the playing weight is the big part. Like if yeah. you get to like a two ten, eventually that'd be great for him. I don't know what he would look like athletically after that, but I think that would take a lot of concern away from some GMs. Yeah. But I think this size metric 
is pretty close as you're going to get on the RIS with a notable name to fit yeah. Bryce Young. Um, I think the vertical, the broad, I think those could be pretty similar in the end. Um, I, I the, for, the the speed area where that says elite, I, I could probably see him going a little bit down to probably just a great guy in the speed element um, on the RAS system. But I think Russell Wilson is a guy that I will probably end up having a player comp even to Bryce Young a little bit. I think they play very similar in a way. I, I, I think – as passers, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. As a passer, so I'm just curious of if they test pretty similar. Um, and like we said earlier, that size part is going to bring Bryce's score down a little bit in the end, guys. So when he doesn't grade out in those high nines like some of these other guys are going to, um, I, I would tell you not to just jump ship because of that. Um, and then I just want to show a little bit of one thing. When you scroll down a little bit on these guys on RAS systems, which you guys should be checking out this site, which is ras.football. Um, so make sure you guys write that down somewhere. It's a must-have during the draft season. Um, and you can pull up all these comps and then scroll down and see guys comparable to them. Um, the co- And the cool thing is once all these numbers come out at the combine and give Kent a little bit of time, all right, just right after the 40s run, don't expect a card to be made. Um, but eventually when he has these cards made, all these new guys are going to have their cards as well. And these same things are going to be there where you can scroll down and kind of see who they tested similar as. And that part is always one of my favorite things to do after the combine and all those things after Kent's team gets all those on the site. But like I said, give the man some time. Don't be down his throat or on Twitter right away. I, I, that's why I'm one thing that the NFL does well that I hate that they do well is, we don't know who records these numbers, so we can't complain to them when they don't have them up. You know, I'll I'll be sitting up, you know, two three hours after the combine is completed, waiting for agility drills, and I'm just sitting here like they gotta post them, right? They gotta post them before midnight, before the end of the day. Somebody's gotta have those numbers up. They ran it. Somebody wrote it down. This needs to put it up on the site because they don't show those on the broadcast. Hey, man. I'm I'm gonna let a secret out to everybody out there. Uh, I really just we really just invited Kent Lee up here to, just so we can thank him for the mock draft simulator on PFN. That's that's the total reason he's up here. I use it uh, about three hundred forty-five thousand times around this time of year. I love to do it. Mock draft 1.0 should be coming out soon. I believe Destin's doing one soon, right? Or did you do it yet? Um, I have messed around with it. Um. Mm-hmm. The mock draft season is always an interesting one because everyone hates them. There's no one has a mock draft that everyone <laughs> loves. Um, but yeah, the P- the PFN mock draft simulator is a really great tool. You guys, I know you guys are into the mock drafts right now. Everybody in the comments and all the people that hated Will Levis, I promise they're not going to put them on there. But this is the PFN. They uh, obviously ads pop up here and there. Um, it's, it's free. We got to pay for it, it somehow. It, I say it is free to use. But pretty simple, guys. You click the Colts. You got to click the ad, another ad. Another yeah, another ad. Start simulation. You can do all seven rounds. I like to do fast. I don't like to wait for everybody. Destin's impatient. And you just kind of see what happens. You got all these trade offers. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and not try to accept trade offers because I know you guys are uh, going to hate if we try to trade back. But look, look who fell all the way to four into my lap, CJ Stroud. So... Make sure you guys are checking out the PFN Mock Draft Simulator. It's a great way to just stay on top of the draft and uh, stay sane during all this and trying to fix the Colts because we all know we need it. 
yeah it's been it's been fun working with that thing man we we uh i actually inherited it the guy that developed it only he was a contractor that had been helped develop or hired to develop it and then i picked it up and it's, it's been my baby for the last couple of years and it's been a lot of fun to to tweak the trade logic and the algorithm and to try to make things work so that it's both realistic and fun um, there's a, a lot of balancing that goes on there because you never want to have the same draft 15 times in a row. It's not, it's not as fun. It's not as exciting. Um, at the same time, people always complain about, oh, this player fell all the way down to 20 or something. And those are going to happen because math is still a thing. Like we, math still exists. And unless we create a hard four, floor for a player, they could, could potentially fall once every hundred or so drafts, however many it is. And it's, it's fun for me to see those types of drafts because it's you're like, you say, oh, that'll never happen. It could. You don't know. You know, Johnny Manziel didn't go where anybody expected him to. Tim Tebow didn't go where anybody expected him to. Laramie Tunsil had the whole gas mask situation. You know, we have these, these types of things happen all the time where guys sit in the green room and they just wait and wait and wait. And we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's fun to watch those sorts of things. I enjoy it. Um, but... It's the double-edged sword. If you create something fun, somebody's going to run 400 mocks in a row. They're going to see all those weird situations. And they're going to be like, that was weird. Why would that happen? I don't know. Who knows why things happen? Because you've been on the internet way too long today. That's, that's, why, <laughs> that's, that's why this is decided to happen to you. I'm not going to say stop. I, I run the thing, and I run so many mock drafts. It's insane, man. It's it's a lot of fun. I love doing it. That's a that's yeah. a good point. I think we've been on the internet a little too long today, Destin. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and let Kent Lee get prepared for the draft, for the combine that's coming this week, well, next week. And, Destin, is there anything you want to say before we get up out of here? No, just, again, appreciate Kent coming on. This is the third different platform that me and Rashad have now been on that we've brought Kent on to talk. Um, really appreciate the draft insight. Um, sometime after the combine, when we can react to some of this during the offseason, we'll have to have you on again. Um, if it, and if Anthony Richardson breaks the Cam Newton's record, we'll have to bring you on our live um, that we'll probably try to do during the combine week so you can be freaking out with all of us. But uh, I'll find some Colts champagne or something to bust open. Hey, oh, that's right. I like it. That's lovely, man. We want to thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Saddle Up Show with Shy and Destin. Uh, oh, Kent, quick, Ken Lee, tell them where to find you at on Twitter before we get out of here. Yeah, you can guys can always find me on Twitter. I'm at MathBomb. Feel free to ask me about whatever. I love talking football, and I'm sure you guys love talking about it, too. That's why you're, you're hanging out listening to these great guys. <laughs> All right, thank y'all, man. Y'all have a great episode. I mean, y'all have a great day. This is another episode. It was a great episode. <laughs> ah, look at, look, look at Kent patting us on the back. Thanks, Kent, man. We're going to see you guys next week. Well, hopefully we get to talk about the combine some more. Peace. Later, guys.